0: Hello and welcome! This is Luminous Music, the podcast where we explore the works of modern-day composers and speculate wildly. Today's episode is going to be focusing on the music from The Last Jedi, composed by the legendary John Williams, so let's get started. (laughs) thanks again for joining us. Well, we're going to get started here. My name is Corinne. A little bit of an introduction. I am a music major. I've played the cello for over 20 years. I love to sing and perform. And I now am looking for a way to use my music degree that's at least semi-useful. So unfortunately, this is <laughs> what that's going to be. <laughs> uh, with me is my co-host, Matt.
1: Hi, I am husband of Corinne. I also have a degree, but it's much less useful in this situation. It's with music business so I do have a little bit of background in theory I've played guitar for a hundred years um, that's right I'm yes he's very years
0: old. he's very old he's very good looking for his age
1: <laughs> well thank you I've always been told I have a face for radio
0: <laughs> oh wait <laughs> you're handsome it's fine he's handsome folks so
1: the both of us love Star Wars and the both of us love soundtracks and music and we grew up with them Uh, And learning about them, and so we thought uh, we should just spill all that information out into the interwebs.
0: Oh yeah, especially since we've seen The Last Jedi. First of all, I've seen it four times, you've seen it three? Three times. Three, Uh, and you know, it didn't come out that long ago. We are in love with it. Uh, Apparently, a lot of people, it's mixed reviews, but we personally absolutely adored it.
1: Yeah, we've, we've seen it three times because we seem to get more out of it every time, and I know fourth, fifth, sixth, there's always still more to find, still more music to find, but still more small moments, still more connections, just things to love. Uh, and I already love Ryan Johnson as a director and was probably the most excited for his addition to the story uh, as to anything else that The Last Jedi was going to bring us.
0: Yeah. And, you know, regardless of how you feel about The Last Jedi, there is no denying that John Williams has done it again. You don't have to like anything in The Last Jedi plot wise, but you can absolutely appreciate how perfect and beautiful this music is.
1: Sure. And what's exciting uh, about any Star Wars movie, any saga movie, is you can expect a great performance from John Williams. He turns it in every single time.
0: Every time. And he just obviously he just gets better and better. He's amazing. So what I want to talk about today, we're going to focus on four characters and their uh, primary themes. I We want to talk about these four. So we've got Kylo. We've got Ray, we've got Leia, and we've got Luke. Those are our four main characters. You know, we do have other characters. We've got Poe and Finn and people who really are contributing to the story in a big way. But I would say our four major characters are Kylo, Ray, Leia, and Luke.
1: And we talked about a bunch of different combinations and who we want to introduce first and what we want to talk about first. And the more we talked about it, the more Corinne got excited about how connected these four characters really are.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking... So, obviously... Kylo and Rey, they've got what kind of feels like almost a romantic connection in this Possibly. I mean, I I ship it, but it's all right. Not everyone. What's knows. the hashtag? Uh, ha- Raylo, mm. Raylo. People like Raylo, but so anyway, we've got Kylo and Rey, and whether or not it's a romantic connection, it is a connection. It's a connection in seeing someone that you know is also struggling, especially with the Force, and frankly, they both need more guidance. So they, you know, they're trying to find that in each other. And of course, they're both trying to turn the other to see their point of view. So they've mm-hmm. got a good connection there. Obviously, Kylo and Ray, really good stuff in this film. Kylo and Leia, mother and son. We've got some seriously deep connections there. We've got Luke and Kylo. We've got an uncle and his nephew, a master and his student. Uh, and we see this, you know, deep betrayal. Really, uh, if we're talking about how Kylo feels about Luke how Luke feels about Kylo it's really just a sense of betrayal
1: <laughs> and Snoke sees them as equals in this movie uh, and then comes to find out that the equal is actually Ray the lightness
0: exactly and then not only do we have you know Kylo and Luke we've got Ray and Luke connect as well we've got Ray and Luke obviously being kind of a, ma- a master and teacher dynamic again in a different way you know Luke's really hesitant about it because of Kylo we've got Luke and Leia. Are connected, obviously, siblings.
1: Right. What's well, something we've seen for decades? Luke and Leia's connection, uh, and we'll talk about that connection over thirty years in a little bit here.
0: Exactly. So we every single one of these four characters connects to the other. I'd say the weakest connection is probably Ray and Leia, and even those two, they have really significant moments together. Beautiful moments. I mean, if you think about it, Ray has been there for the two most significant losses in Leia's life. The death of her husband, her ex-husband, and, or, they were getting an official divorce. I don't know how it works. (laughs) Sure. The death of her love of her life, we'll say the love of her life, and the death of her brother. Right. She's been there immediately after she senses those things. They both sense them at the same time.
1: And if I'm remembering right, the first time they even meet in Force Awakens is that moment when Leia walks directly up to her and hugs her. And basically, uh you know, Chewie walks by and she doesn't know it's Chewy, but that's okay. That's a different thing. I'm just, I'm just messing around. <laughs> but the first time they meet, they, they're already, they already feel like kindred spirits. They're already hugging. They're already friends.
0: Exactly. So let's dive into the music here because that's why we're here. We're going to talk about Kylo first. Now Kylo has three themes technically, which is rare. Usually when you have a character's theme, they have one real theme. You can have themes that change, like with Leia, for instance, she has her theme, Leia theme, but then she also has a Han and Leia theme, which is slightly different, and she has a Luke and Leia theme. We'll get into that a little later, but technically, she herself has one theme. Now, Kylo has three, which really... Obviously, is beautiful because of how torn apart his character is. It, you know, it's indicative of he—he's not just one thing. I mean, if when we hear Vader's theme, it's very distinct. Dum 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 da dum dum da da. And we know it's Vader. Vader has already chosen who he is when we see him and when we hear that theme. So he doesn't have three themes. He's not broken apart. But Kylo, he's got three distinct, separate themes. One of them, the main one we're going to talk about, is also synonymous with the First Order. You know, it's used for the First Order and him, which shows that that's, you know, him and his connection to that darkness. It's really his darkest theme.
1: In fact, when the movie opens, when this movie opens, the first thing we hear besides the main theme and besides the opening flute is. Kylo's first theme in a scene that has no Kylo in it. He is not on that ship at all.
0: Exactly. So let's hear that. Um, I'm going to show you uh, an example of what I'm going to call Kylo Ren A, his A theme. And we can call it A for aggressive (laughs) because (laughs) it is. It's the most aggressive. So here's this theme. So that's his main theme. That's the the theme where, oh, it's synonymous with the First Order, it's super aggressive, it's very brassy, very strong, and very dark.
1: Much like Vader's main theme starting in Empire Strikes Back. Very obvious. Very, yeah. It slaps you in the face. This character is going to be on the screen right now. You would know that if it were a radio show that Kylo exactly. Ren is on the screen.
0: And it's also, you know, if we're looking at specifically instrumentation for a second, you've got that really strong brass. You've got the brass, which is exactly what Vader had. So you're, heark- you're hearkening back to Vader as well. Dun, 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 Here, I'll actually just show it to you. Listen to the instrumentation here. for a second i want to pause and i want to talk about for those who don't know what an orchestra is typically made up of let's talk about it a little bit uh i'm gonna go from the strongest to the weakest the strongest thing in an orchestra, we've got four sections. We got the percussion section. That's your drums, your timpani. You've got your you know your chimes and bells. There's a xylophone, it's, it's a lot of stuff. It's
1: the other section of the symphony. It's anything else that's not the three things that we're about to talk about. Because it includes right. the piano. It includes any bells, any cowbell, any triangle. All that exactly. weird stuff is going to be considered percussion, right? Exactly.
0: But you've got some of your strongest stuff there. Specifically, timpani. Uh, you know your bass drums. You have got your drums in general are going to be your strongest. Strongest. Anytime you want to hear something really strongly, that's where you're going to use, right? Then the next strongest is going to be your brass. We've got tubas, which is your low, you know, tubas and trombones are your low brass. You've got your trumpets, your French horn, uh, which is going to be your higher brass. That brass is always going to be extremely strong. It's going to be strong.
1: Trumpets are so loud, stop me if I'm wrong, that you have to have a muted version of them that's covering up the place that makes sound. You have to, in some symphonies, put them in other parts of the room so they don't overtake the sound of the strings and other things.
0: Yeah, and usually when that's done, um, I, I know what you're talking about. And like, For instance, in Pines of Rome is what you're talking about where the, the trumpets are offstage trumpets. That's done for more of a like echoey effect. But you're right. Brass can be easily overpowering and it's really hard for them to play well without playing loudly, which is why they're so strong. If you are a brass player who can play quietly and be in tune and play well, you're a good brass player. You're going <laughs> to do well. But it's really <laughs> hard. So that's that's your your next strongest. Then we're going to talk about strings. The strings comprise of the violins. So this is from the weakest to the strongest. We've got the violins violins. we've got the viola which is like a mix between a violin and a cello which then leads us to the cello and then the the bass contrabass not a bass guitar very different so the stand up bass is the biggest of the string instruments those comprise the strings they they're really dynamic strings are the most dynamic of all of them you can play as quietly as you could possibly play you could play really loudly with strings you can pluck you can there's so many things that you can do with strings that you you know they're very uh, voice-like, emotive, emotive, yeah, great. And then you've got your weakest, which is the woodwinds, and you know I'm not saying that as an they insult. They suck. <laughs> and I'm not saying that as an insult Screw because you, obviously you clarinet. can get really strong oboe and really strong bassoon and things like that. But those are the weaker instruments. You can break a flute in half, you know what I mean. <laughs> so we've got in the woodwind instruments we have bassoon is the lowest then we've got you know clarinet oboe uh flute piccolo which is just like the annoying version of the flute (laughs) piccolos you know that i'm right so that's your basic orchestra and then of course you got your conductor in this case Williams, who you can't get any better than johnny baby so i just want to talk about that because then we're going to talk about strength imperial march vader's theme which we just played the dun 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 is a lot of brass. I'm gonna play it one more time for you. Listen for that brass. Okay, brass. That's what we're hearing. And so it's really strong, really, really nice. So then, you know, when you're hearing this first Kylo theme, listen to it and listen for that instrumentation. Tons of brass. So it's going to be similar. It's hearkening, obviously, back to Vader's theme. He's trying to be like Vader, but he's just not quite as impressive as Vader. Uh, On this note, this particular theme, before I move on to the next theme, I discovered something that I think is pretty cool about this theme. When I first heard this in The Force Awakens, I assumed that it was very Empire-like, but not anything we had heard before. This, to me, was a new First Order theme that we hadn't heard in the Empire stuff before.
1: And it happens right away. Again, in Force Awakens, it's one of the first themes we hear, and we're just excited. New music. New John Williams music. This is new, new, new. And it has all the same uh, styles as that old Empire music where it feels like war. There's not as many drums. There's not, I don't think there's any percussion in the beginning, but there is those bugles in the background. There's the strength of the brass that's giving you that feeling of war and order.
0: Right. So then I watched the new movie, uh, Last Jedi, and upon my third watching, <laughs> realized that There's a scene in The Last Jedi where Snoke is torturing Rey, okay? She's up in the air. He's torturing her, trying to get information out of her about Luke Skywalker. And the Emperor's theme is playing in the background. Ah! Now, if you haven't heard the Emperor's theme or you don't know what I'm talking about, let me play it for you. You'll probably recognize it if you have seen, especially the original trilogy, obviously. But actually, the Emperor's theme is in um, pretty much every movie, actually. Let me double check here.
1: Scrubbing episode four, of course, because he doesn't appear.
0: Right, exactly. He, yeah, his theme is in episode one, two, three, six, and eight now. Right. So so that's a lot. (laughs) He's in there a lot. So this is what the Emperor's theme sounds like. Continue to play this, and what I want you to do is listen because I think you're going to recognize something. So this is the Emperor's Theme, and I'm playing this. This is from uh, episode 6.
1: That gets me every time.
0: It's really cool. So in case you didn't catch it, let me play the First Order theme for you real quick. Now let's listen to the Emperor's theme one more time. It's, it's the First Order theme. So that was a pretty cool discovery on uh, you know for me, just to realize, oh, this First Order theme is not new. It's not new. I mean, it is in the sense that he's revamped it, but and, and let's talk about what this
1: means. Yeah, the question is why. Why would he do that? Because he does everything for a reason. He, he doesn't just steal his old music.
0: John Williams does nothing accidentally, and that's why he's a master. Uh, he truly is. I mean, if we're talking about the great composers of all time he's up there because he he knows what he's doing so the reason that this is important is obviously the emperor who created the whole empire in the original trilogy everything that ha- the first order is stems from what the empire was
1: for a great example so towards the end of the movie there's what we're going to call the door canon uh, and he puts it down, and Finn says, Oh gosh, I know what that is. That is miniaturized Death Star attack, And that's what everything in the Resistance is. It's just a version of the tech that already existed. Because if you're going to take over again you're going to do what the old old guys did. You're going to use the old guys' stuff. The Resistance, which is now the Rebellion, is using all of the Rebellion's old equipment as well. It's just the same fight with different people.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we'll talk about this more next time, but we see so much of the Resistance turning into the Rebellion, and as the Resistance turns into the Rebellion, as does the music. You know, the Resistance music, which is very strong from Seven, starts to dissolve and become more and more what the Rebellion music was. He's starts to use more and more of those rebellion themes but and that's a teaser we'll we'll talk about that next time because (laughs) we're we're getting a little bit off track here so kylo's themes so his first theme which is also the first order theme is that really brassy very strong very dark let's talk about his second theme okay so this is we'll call it kylo ren b like second theme Mm. and we hear that and it is very it's still very dark clearly you know he's obviously consumed by the dark side but it's also a little less strong it feels more insecure it feels feels insecure
1: it feels like he's making decisions it feels like a moment when he's thinking inwardly about what am I going to do about something
0: it's very pensive pensive sure yeah so that's his second theme let's talk about his third theme Okay, so with that, you know, all of three of these themes are pretty much merged seamlessly a-, a lot of the time, but he does take these pieces and use them elsewhere without each other, so I wanted to split those up into three. In this new movie, we hear those and we find that he uses them in new ways. In Force Awakens, they're always, you know, he's Kylo Ren, oh, he's so evil and he's like the new Vader, and yeah, he's a little bit of a brat, but he's he's the new Vader. Right.
1: As a space opera, you want to introduce your characters. Right. You want to introduce people when they walk on stage, and you want to introduce your music the same way. You want people to know exactly who this is for and exactly what's happening.
0: Right. He's a villain, right? Bad guy. Now, The Last Jedi is all about failure. Not only for our heroes... But also for our villains and what they perceive to be failure. Kylo Ren perceives failure to be his pull towards the light. Weakness. It's it's his weakness, right? And we see him pretty much succumb to that weakness in this, which as we we see it as a victory for him, right? Right. But for him, that's a failure.
1: Not murdering his mother.
0: Right. That was a failure for him, not right. murdering his own mother, which obviously for us we're like, thank the heavens. But for him, you know, you're always going to continue to see these themes of failure in this movie, and that is a failure for him. So as we hear these themes, we're going to hear them become more desolate as far as, you know, he's concerned. So let me play you a little moment in the score. So that moment where he goes in to see Snoke. And Snoke's like, take that ridiculous thing off. You've been beaten by a girl who's never held a lightsaber. You suck. You're not Vader.
1: Hilarious. Yeah. By the way, just like a newspaper to the face. Pop, 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 pop.
0: I love it. I, that my favorite. One of my favorite moments is when he says take that ridiculous thing off and the line right before that you know his it gets more and more muffled <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's even more ridiculous and I love that I love it so he takes it off and he's like hey you'll never be Vader which by the way we hear Vader's theme when he says that
1: mm-hmm. which we've already I mean, that's the only time we hear it I assume in that movie
0: the only time we hear Vader's theme yes is when he literally says you're no Vader
1: um, yes bu- 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 and then
0: we hear it so let's talk about this when he is talking to him I'm going to show you uh, Kylo's themes in this okay this is his menacing theme this is the third theme that we talked about and then here we hear his uh, second theme his pensive theme let well, to his first theme That's his, moment. that's his moment in the elevator when he's upset. You know, he gets in the elevator and we start hearing his themes. He's thinking about it. He looks at his helmet and he gets really angry and he starts smashing it. And that's when his aggressive theme comes in. Bum, 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 bum. And he gets my, get my ship ready. You know, he goes,
1: oh, by the way, we haven't talked about this yet those two people, they were obviously about to do something else. They weren't waiting for Kylo Ren to come out of the elevator. They just were going off to do their normal job, and he just yells at them to do something for him. Yeah. Does everyone just work for him?
0: I mean, he's bas- he's the supreme leader now. Now they definitely yeah. do. I think <laughs> I mean, they're just scared I would, of him. I, yeah, I'd be scared of him too. So let's go to this moment where um, he's about to kill his mother. Leia senses him. obviously very sad, very menacing. She knows what's going to happen. All right, now that right there. That's just a variation of his aggressive theme, but now it's not as aggressive. It's like scared almost. It's what it usually is. Listen to it again. So, you hear his theme, it it gets cut into pieces, it gets used however John Williams wants it. So, the, the aggressive theme is not so aggressive. Now, when he is with Ray, and I find this to be really interesting, when he is with Ray, his theme plays very quietly, if at all. Whenever it does play, it's pretty weak. Because I feel like when he's with her, he's... More of a Ben Solo than he is Kylo Ren.
1: In fact, Ray starts calling him Ben. Yeah. To sort of turn him to that.
0: Like you're not old Kylo. Self. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting because when he's with her, you know. Next time you're listening to it, try and listen for his theme. You know, when they're together, and honestly, the only time you ever hear it is when he's saying things like yeah you're right I am a monster and then his theme plays kind of quietly in the background oh you are you're such a monster oh yeah you are just like our cat
1: yeah
0: so that's Kylo's theme we can delve into it more deeply what will be happening with this podcast series at at least at the beginning here is I'm going to be going over these main themes kind of just as a scratching the surface and then I'm going to be going track by track getting into the deeper music theory of things so if you feel like we're leaving stuff out that's okay we're probably going to go back to it back in, a, in a later episode. So I just kind of want to scratch the surface today.
1: Now we're going to take a quick break and do our first segment that I'm going to call Speculate Wildly.
0: Speculate Wildly!
1: We'll replace that with something.
0: Oh, okay. You're not going to keep it. Alright, it's okay. We, we can keep it.
1: We can keep it. <laughs> so, my first Speculate Wildly. What does John Williams' home look like?
0: Oh, man. That's a really good question because I feel, when I picture it, I feel like it's like this really precise, like, there's a lot of white, mm-hmm. like it's very futuristic almost, and it's like simplicity. It's very simplistic and white and clean.
1: Similarly, I picture an apartment. I don't picture a mansion. I'm talking like a New York high-rise, right? Like a beautiful apartment, but still... Uh, diminutive space. Diminutive space instead of like a giant mansion.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't really picture a big mansion, but I picture it like white. I does, don't know why. Maybe I picture him as a god. That's a problem. That's why. <laughs> Is
1: he always wearing white as well?
0: Nah, he's got that black turtleneck. He's a right, jazz. So that's all he has. He's jazzy baby. He's Johnny baby. Does
1: he have an entire closet full of just that black turtleneck? Like 50 of them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so, too.
0: I love that. I would love to see his closet and just see it, just black turtlenecks.
1: One white room with a black piano.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, or maybe it's a gold piano.
1: Ooh, well, he does have the money for it, I'm sure. Like a
0: C-3PO gold.
1: Oh, why'd you have to bring <laughs> C-3PO into this?
0: Wipe that nervous expression <laughs> off your face.
1: you nervous. I'm nervous.
0: So let's move on. Let's talk about Ray. 'Cause that girl is awesome. <laughs> she's got she's got it going on.
1: She's got some great outfits.
0: She's got some the best outfits. Who designs her outfits? I demand to know. <laughs> because I want them. So let's talk about Ray and why she's important. So remember our talk about the orchestra and orchestration and why it's important? Before we dive right into Ray's theme, let's talk about the Force theme for just a second. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me play you the Force theme because you're going to recognize it if you don't already know what it is.
1: I would call this the middle sea of the Star Wars universe.
0: Yeah, it really is the all-purpose theme. It covers pretty much anyone who's using the Force. <laughs> Obviously, it's used... Uh, primarily with the the main whoever the main force user is in whatever movie. In this one, it's it's Ray and, and Luke. So you hear it a lot when those two are on screen. So let's hear it I'll t- and uh, you know if you don't already know this, you should because it's very good. That example I just played you is one of the first times it's ever stated, which is in A New Hope um, right at the beginning. I mean, it's it's very synonymous with uh, especially like the binary sunset. The, the two this,
1: this particular instance is the binary sunset track. So the first time we hear the first time the world has ever heard this force theme, it was episode four when Luke is staring off into the two sunsets and feeling like he wants to be part of something. Exactly. Or whatever you think is in Luke's head. But it's the beginning of a hero's journey, and it's exciting.
0: Right. And l- pay attention to the instrumentation there. It is a f- single French horn that is playing. Now, a little background on the French horn for those of you who don't know. The French horn, much like the Force, is extremely difficult to master correctly. <laughs> it's very easy to lean to the wrong side of the Force. It, and what I mean by that is it's very easy for it to be out of tune. It's one of the most difficult instruments to master because it's it's easy to start playing it. It's just like any other horn. You know, you've got your amateur, you, you go for it and sound comes out. But it is so hard for that instrument to be in tune. It is uh, something that I mean, if you've ever, for those of you who've never played the French horn, which is probably most of you, I'd if say I have to guess, I'm gonna go with most. <laughs> so you've got this horn. It's a very circular horn. The, you know, the horn wraps around itself. It's very, it's long and circular. Uh, you know, we, like, like think a of a snail. I, yeah,
1: like a, like like a, a snail.
0: snail, like a snail. It's got kind of like a snail shell look to it, where it's just wrapping around and around itself until it comes out to the bell, which is that large, you know, bell-shaped opening. opening. Now, in order for it to be in tune, you have to have your hand in the bell and you have to cup it and move your hand constantly to get the correct pitch. So not only are you pressing the correct valves and you've got, you know, if your fingering is correct, uh, you know, your embouchure, everything can be great. But if you don't have your hand in there and you're not good at tuning your note, if you don't have a good ear for it, you're going to suck at the French horn. So a single French horn with an orchestra underneath it is the most nerve-wracking thing and the most vulnerable thing I can imagine. You know, it's extremely difficult for it to be in tune, so having it be alone without the rest of the brass to catch it is scary. You have to be really good at the French horn to do that. That's why this is a really good... (laughs) Analogy? It's a good analogy for the Force. That's why it's used for the Force theme. John Williams knows this. He has this information and he uses it to his advantage when writing. You know, the Force theme and the Force in general is something that's very... it's it's very precious. And so is a French horn. French horn, the sound of it is so mellow and beautiful. And it's unlike any other brass. As much as I love all brass, the French horn is the most beautiful of all the brass. It's got the most mellow tone, which is why he uses it. And so the force theme primarily uses French horn. There are plenty of times when it's, you know, more of a full brass or strings or things like that. But the French horn is synonymous with the force theme typically. Now, as we get into Ray's stuff, <laughs> which is awesome, by the way, I'm going to take you through each instance of when Ray's theme plays in the soundtrack, and we're going to pay attention to specifically the instrumentation, and going back to our theme of what instruments are weak, what instruments are strong, and why they're used and when. So, we're going to talk about the first time that you hear her.
1: Let's talk for a second about the introduction of Ray's theme in The Force Awakens, because as you said before the first time we hear these things the the music in the force awakens much like the movie is meant to introduce is meant to set up meant to give you uh, a a base idea of a person or of a of a song so what what is ray's theme so originally
0: let's hear the first instance that ray's theme is played okay so let's let's hear ray's theme So that's Ray's theme. The that's like kind of the B theme. We don't hear that very much. But what we hear primarily when we hear Ray's theme is that. Now this, the first instance that it's played, you know, at first we hear like this, the the celeste and like a very, um, you know, very light, very weak. W- almost weak instruments. Yeah, very. Um, vulnerable instruments we'll say and when she comes in you'll notice this is our indication that oh this is a force sensitive person because the french horn is what plays her main theme first that single french horn now most of the time from now on when her when her theme plays it really is mainly with either flute or strings and i'm going to show you that in um the last jedi because that's uh, really what the, we're talking about today. that's what we're talking about today <laughs> and this is the point i'm going to be trying to make um her instrumentation is very important to her journey it mirrors her journey exactly and it is I- incredible um how john williams uses these so let's talk about the first time that we hear ray's theme which is on the island octu with um with luke <laughs> octu bless you <laughs> So, strings. We got our strings. Right.
1: This is a reintroduction to uh, Ray for the fans. We're mm-hmm. seeing her again. We're seeing some exciting stuff. And we're going through a time, we're seeing a time where she is concerned as ever about who she is and where she's going and where she comes from.
0: Exactly. So, the next time that her theme plays is uh, in the track The Supremacy. And the only time that it plays here is at the very, very end. Because at the very end of this is when Leia drops the beacon and Finn picks it up.
1: She drops the beacon. (laughs) Exactly. I've got one word for that and it's surreptitious. It feels surreptitious. He's and, it, and the shot does too you're seeing his foot and you're seeing the, uh, the, the beacon. beacon and Leia's just dropped it no one else noticed and Finn secretly picks it up and has one of those dastardly looks on his face and then he walks away to go get on an escape pod it's he's going behind the back of the entire resistance to do something that they didn't want him to do
0: Exactly, and I think that the instrumentation here, which was a harp, by the way, if you didn't know what that was, and a harp is extremely fragile. <laughs> it's probably one of the weakest instruments, as far as we're just talking strength of uh, you know power, not mm-hmm. as far as emotion, because the harp obviously can or, cause you to emote or quite difficulty a bit. to play. I'm sure it's oh, one of yeah. the hardest. It has nothing to do with skill. It just has to do with the actual strength of this sound. Is a very weak sound, a very soft sound, and that is done on purpose, obviously, because it's like I said earlier, the theme of this movie is failures. And Leia just failed. I mean, she she managed to survive, but now she's going to be like in a coma, and that beacon has dropped. Finn is feeling like the only reason he picks that up and goes to escape is because he knows that if Ray goes to find them, she's going to get murdered like the rest of them.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: th- it's a failure. And- he is taking that as a symbol of failure of, wow, the Resistance is dead. I got to get out of here so I can save my friend.
1: He's trying to escape that failure of the Resistance because he's seeing it as the end of the Resistance. And in fact, it could also portend the beginning of his failure for the entire movie, which he does, for two and a half hours.
0: I mean, if you think about it, what he just saw is all of their leadership, with the exception of Leia, who's now in a coma, blown to bits. Right, They're it's all gone. They, they, there's feels. no way they can go on, right? So he's thinking, well, I'm not putting Ray into this mess. I'm mm-hmm. going to take that beacon. I'm going to get out of here. So, the next time that you hear it is going to be in lesson one, which is obviously pretty awesome because, you know, we're starting this journey of, who am I? What is this thing inside of me? I've got a teacher now. Oh, he's going to show me. And yeah, he's a little hesitant about it, but I'm still going to learn. And so, we've got lesson one, and here's where we hear her theme next. So, flute. That's flute. Now keep listening. Oh, was that a little French horn? Oh, it was! So it goes from flute, and then it it happens again, it echoes it, but with French horn this time, that singular French horn. And so, clearly we're talking about oh ray oh she's unsure of her abilities and then oh she's becoming stronger in the force and we hear that with a french horn she's and feeling the force
1: if i'm right and i know this is the right scene it's uh, during one of the more beautiful but least star warsy scenes that we've seen in the whole saga it's when he asks her what do you feel and she starts listing things and as she lists them they they pan over and they show them they show um death and decay they show life they show the the wave crashing Violence over the eggs yeah and flash 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 and it, it's just a, a beautiful way to expand our view of the force in that moment and not just stare at two people
0: exactly so then here we hear it again this is later in the lesson in lesson one Okay, so primarily flute there. I'm pretty sure there's a little bit of French horn in that, like hmm. underneath it. I could hear it. So uh, that's that brings me to my next point, which is I'm pretty sure that from here on out, we start to hear, uh, we have this and the next instance, which I'll show you, of her with the flute playing. But there's brass underneath it, which is indicating that she's becoming stronger in her abilities. Still holding on to this, like, insecurity.
1: But it's bubbling up. But, it's yeah. beginning.
0: Exactly. So then, the next time we hear it is in uh, The Cave, which, is awesome. So let's talk about it.
1: The Cave is a track I can't wait to talk about as a whole, just talking about this track, because it is probably the strangest part of this movie and it connects a lot with the Empire Strikes Back uh, and Luke's vision of Darth Vader and his his full ray into the dark side getting as close as he can and this is Ray doing the same thing
0: okay so in this instance in the cave it's very difficult to pick out but when you're hearing it think of the instrumentation it is a flute and a French horn playing at the same time. So you're gonna be able to pick it out by the wavering of the flute on the higher notes and the long notes, and at the bottom, you're gonna hear the strength of that brass. So listen for both of those instruments in this instance. Okay, how cool is that?
1: It's pretty cool.
0: It's pretty cool. So you've got the the French horn and the flute playing at the same time, and they're blending together almost seamlessly, almost making so that the flute disappears.
1: I I didn't know there was flute in there until this was shown directly to me, and you can hear that waver at the top, and that's all it takes because a French horn can't make that noise.
0: It doesn't make it like that, I'll tell you that right now. So then, the next time that we hear Rey's theme is going to be during a new alliance. Ooh, which is great, because obviously, that's when she and Kylo are teamed up. Did I mention there were going to be spoilers? Because there's a lot of spoilers!
1: (laughs) We'll uh, go back and edit that in there.
0: Did you hear that brass?
1: That sounds like 100% brass to yeah, me.
0: that is no, there's no flute in that, so <laughs> it's super strong. And obviously, this is when she's been the strongest in the force so far. She, you know, it's she just with she's a fighting with a lightsaber and using the force with another force-sensitive person who she thinks is now, you know, on her side, which is also awesome. So really cool stuff. So really strong. Then the next time we hear her is during the battle of Crate when she comes in on the. Millennium Falcon. Millennium
1: Falcon. She steals Snoke's ship to get away, the her the escape pod to get away, and then meets up with Chewie, brings back the Millennium Falcon.
0: The Millennium Falcon. The French horn dough!
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. That, mm, that is tasty.
0: And it's so strong. Mm. You know, it's so strong. So then uh, we're going to hear her again in just a few minutes. And it's even stronger. Listen to this. Even stronger.
1: And it's exciting. It's action.
0: Next time that we hear her, and this is probably my favorite instance, so we're here going to hear her during Peace and Purpose.
1: Another track we'll probably talk about a lot more. Forever? Forever. Because it has a lot more to do with Luke than it does with Rey.
0: Now, when we hear this, this is when she is um, sensing that Luke is gone and she's talking to Leia about it. Okay? They're having a conversation and this is when her theme plays. So we hear it and it's got the flute. Um, And it's just kind of showing that, you know, she's just lost someone, a master, that was teaching her. And so she's feeling that loss and she's a little bit more vulnerable. But now listen to this. This is my favorite part. Okay. Instrumentation-wise, we've got Ray's theme playing on the f- single French horn, and we've got the Force theme playing with the flute. They've swapped positions. Every time we hear the Force theme and Ray's theme play together, it's swapped. The Force theme is that single French horn, and Ray's theme is the flute. And now we've got it swapped, because she is a different person. She's got She's more the Force than she was a scavenger. So we've got that instrumentation showing that. She is more solid as a person now.
1: You That's know. a good point you just made. Um, the track that we first hear Ray's theme in The Force Awakens is her. First, you see her in the mask and she goes down, and she has her scavenger parts and she gets on like a sand sled and she slides away and the music's playing. That track is called The Scavenger. So you could not just consider that Ray's theme, but Ray the Scavenger's theme. And this is now shirking that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now we're showing that, oh, she's more and more of a, a Jedi. She's becoming a Jedi. So that's Ray's theme. Pretty awesome stuff
1: pretty awesome stuff and the, the, the movie itself is at least in the dialogue leading us to believe that she has now um subscribed to the jedi order she now has the jedi texts uh, luke says the jedi are not dead they then immediately you see her moving rocks and kyla's next line is she will be destroyed or something along those lines they're leading us to believe that she is now the last jedi
0: exactly Okay, so I wanted to do a quick little segment before we wrap up. It looks like we're going to be running out of time. So we'll talk about Luke and Leia next time. We, won- we don't want to keep these podcasts uh, too long. But what I want to do before we go is I want to do a quick... Uh, I'll call it Composer Wars.
1: Ooh, that sounds fun. It's
0: going to be exciting, where I'm going to show you clips of uh, something from... Particularly in-, in this episode, I'll show you something from Star Wars, and then I'll show you something from an older uh, composer that you know obviously was... Um, Inspiring John Williams uh, music. So what I'll do is I will play you some clips. <clears throat> some I, clips. I want to play. I, I want to play like a couple of clips, and okay. I want you to tell me what is Star Wars, and what is in this case Stravinsky, Igor Stravinsky.
1: Ooh, Igor Stravinsky. Yes, he's. I've great. heard that name before.
0: He's Russian. When people. Uh, who are not music majors Know Stravinsky It's usually because of Firebird mm-hmm. Now if you don't know what that is um, You would know If you've seen Fantasia 2000 uh-huh. It's the music behind that sketch Of the girl that's like made of plants And like the volcano erupts You know what I'm talking yeah. about Yeah So the music Behind that is Stravinsky's Firebird, or excerpts from it. It's not the whole thing.
1: I'm pretty sure I've heard it in half a dozen car commercials as well.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Most good classical music has been overused in car commercials, unfortunately. But um, one other thing that he is... um, known for, but lesser known for in just the general public, is the Rite of Spring. Now, the Rite of Spring was like a ballet type thing that he put together, um, and this music is very grating, and when they did Rite of Spring, when they performed it, it was about 1913, I believe, when they performed it for the first time, it... Uh, th- the story goes that the music and the dancing was so violent and grating that there were like outbreaks of violence in the audience, like people getting into fist fights and like a riot. Basically, are occurred. we talking
1: about like stuffy, like rich types hierarchy wearing their powdered wigs?
0: I mean, maybe I don't know, but I I feel like. Usually, those stories get exaggerated, right? Mm -hmm. Because they ended up finishing that performance. So, obviously, it can't have been too bad of a riot. But the story goes, and you can look this up. This is, you know, all over the internet, but look up, you know, the premiere of Rite of Spring, there's hilarious stuff in there, and there's stuff where people are saying like, oh, this famous composer walked out, but they were never there, like, stuff like that.
1: Right, they were born a hundred years later.
0: Sure, yeah. (laughs) Stravinsky left because he was just appalled that people were, people were, like, laughing at it at first, so he, like, left. It, it was it, it was just a really interesting thing. So I'm gonna play you clips, and I'm not gonna tell you which is which. I'm gonna play you clips from uh, some music in The Last Jedi, and then some Stravinsky clips. Uh, but no, you don't know which order. Bring it and on. And then I'm gonna you'll, you'll figure out what it is. I'm gonna play two things for you first, and I want you to you know then we'll, gotcha. we'll figure it out at that point. So give me one second here. Oh,
1: a lot of really angry stuff, a lot, of drums, a lot of drums, a lot of atonal back and forth. Does it
0: sound like something that would cause a riot? Maybe. Let's see.
1: We'll hear this one now. Now there's a lot of the rum bum 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 and it's like very like the kind of thing that John Williams would do with the strings and normal stuff.
0: What did you think the first clip was?
1: It was basically nothing but just like atonal bam bam so it's gotta be that rioty thing.
0: That's actually uh John Williams in Last Jedi. It's uh, in the track Chrome Dome, about a uh, minute twenty in, and it sounds like this. Which pretty much exactly mirrors the next one that I played for you, which comes directly from Rite of Spring, which is this one.
1: Okay. So I had them completely backwards because I thought that little Tweedledee d was, was definitely John Williams music. Yeah.
0: And then, of course, there's always this one.
1: Now, that sounds familiar. I know exactly what that's either a part of or directly ripped off of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's from Ride of Spring.
1: (laughs) All right. Okay, I get it. So basically you just played me a bunch of Ride of Spring and tried to trick me.
0: Pretty much. I played one John Williams clip and all that. The rest of it was all Ride of Spring.
1: Let's put that um, Igor Stravinsky clip back to back with uh, the desert scene in episode four.
0: Heck yeah.
1: basically the exact same thing um and there's been many conversations before about what uh john williams was doing at the time and it has to do with uh what are they called not scratch tracks but temp music temp music and yeah. and george lucas had that exact piece of music and it's the temp music and um john williams ran with it
0: Anyway, so uh, obviously we can see that John Williams has learned from the great masters before him. I would consider Stravinsky to be a great master. So I just wanted to do a little, uh, you know, fun little segment about... The
1: influences of John Williams.
0: You know, let me learn you something big. When uh, Yoda is talking to Luke, he says, My favorite line of the movie, which is, We are what they grow beyond. And that is exactly, you know, when people say, oh, John Williams, that sounds just like *Ride of Spring. He stole that, blah, 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 things like that. No. He takes what masters have learned in the past, and he builds on it. I'm going to tell you right now that if Beethoven heard even a single track from The Last Jedi, he'd poop his pants. Okay? Because...
1: She doesn't sh- usually say poop, people.
0: Shh. I'll say poop whenever I want. But... <laughs> He's learning from the masters and then he grows beyond. And so, uh, you know, that's if you if you ever feel like, oh, yeah, he just stole that. No, you're an idiot. All the great composers have learned from the great composers before them. In fact, most people, I believe uh, Stravinsky was taught by Rimsky-Korskov, which is another great composer. Yeah, anyway, they always learn from them before them. All right, we are out of time. So I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll get to Luke and Leia next time. Um, same time next week. We should be uh, releasing these podcasts once a week.
1: And if you'd like to get in touch with us, email us at luminous.music.podcast at g- Alright,
0: well thanks so much for joining us and I hope you guys have a great day filled with Star Wars music.